0: Our preaching should be about Christ. Our worship should be focused on Christ, but also our witness should be exalting Christ. He is our message. He's the sum total of saving knowledge, David Dixon, one of the old writers would say. So exalting Christ is part and parcel to the Christian life, but it's also the happy life in a congregation of Christians who together as a church are enjoying his preeminence in every aspect.
1: Hi, welcome to the Gary Wilson Podcast. So glad you're here with us today. We have Pastor Jordan Thomas with us today. He's been with us uh, on several other episodes. We want to make sure you, uh, after you're done watching this one, get right on, click online, and get those other ones with uh, Pastor Jordan Thomas. Jordan, thanks for being again with us today.
0: Such a joy. Such a joy. Thank you, brother, for having me.
1: Uh, last episode, my heart was both uh, maybe convicted in some ways, in a good way. I love being convicted for things that I know God is leading me to some new things. But you were broadening my horizon, and I believe others that were listening, about seeing certain scriptures, if not the whole of scripture, through the lens of the church in community. Uh, so could you just do a real quick review uh, for those maybe that missed last week about this whole thing? concept of treasuring Christ uh, in uh, more of the, like you guys down, yeah, I'm sure you're loving this study because you're from Tennessee, right? And uh, you get to say y'all uh, uh, theolo- right. theologically, which is, you know, that's brilliant. So anyway, right. yeah. Give us a little bit of a overview if you would.
0: Yeah, gladly. Yeah. W- what Gary's alluding to from the last episode is I was trying to, Uh, draw some attention to this replete biblical theme that valuing Jesus, loving Jesus. Now, let me just pause and say that is native to the heart of every true Christian. Matthew 13, he is the great treasure of our souls. He's more valuable than anything we ever had. So from joy, we would sell everything to have that field because the treasure in that field is worth more than anything we had. So Christ is our treasure. That's a replete biblical theme for true Christianity. He runs away to heaven with our heart. Uh, He's the great attraction to Christianity. Yes, there are incredible benefits like being saved from the consequences of our sin, death and hell, like eternal life. Those are incredible consequences of the true gospel, and we should be attracted to them. But Christ himself is the pearl of great price. So that's true of individual Christians. He's our treasure. But what we were trying to say last time is There is a very dominant biblical theme, Old and New Testament, that we're saved into a people. And one of the reasons, I would say one of the primary reasons that God saves us into a people, into the family of Christ, is because we're actually helped to treasure Christ, to value him, to love him, to honor him as we should as we're embedded into a family of people who do that so christ treasuring churches is a dominating theme of the new testament and it's something that the lord's really stirred my heart to for my own joy to want to give myself to
1: yeah beautiful what are some of the ways uh, a church can do this Are are there some and i don't necessarily speak about methodology but you can if you want to but uh, how, how, is, how do you uh, go about creating this kind of culture?
0: Yeah, well, the more we focus on Christ, the more the Holy Spirit will create the culture. And so I don't really feel any pressure or skill, uh, for what it's worth, in creating a Christ-treasuring culture. But I do believe that Jesus meant what he said when he said the Holy Spirit's vocation, job, assignment is to exalt Jesus. He will Exalt me. And so you'll know the Spirit's truly at work when Jesus is the most exalted person in the church. And if anybody else is exalted above Jesus, you can be sure it's not the work of the Holy Spirit. And so he loves to draw our attention to Christ. He's the humble person of the Trinity. He doesn't draw attention to himself. And the Father's not jealous when Jesus is exalted. Philippians 2 literally says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God, the father. So the father's glorified when the son is exalted and the spirit's ministry is to exalt the son. So that happens in churches. And so some of the ways it, it may sound a little methodological or, um, I don't know, even checklist. And I'm okay with that insofar as we can point to chapters and verses because God does ordain means right? How is Christ going to be valued? How will we treasure him? Well, with a local church, it's Christ-centered, Christ-exalting preaching, fellowship, teaching, evangelism, mission. None of those things are an in, in and of themselves. They're the means that are both fueled by Christ and pointed at Christ. So, for example, worship. You know, there's been uh, various iterations of the worship wars, and sometimes churches can get one click off of true north, one one deviation away from Christ by ethos or style of ex- musical expression. and And sometimes worship conversations can devolve down to just singing or music. And so we talk about things like traditional or contemporary, fine or folk, uh, you know, all all the various iterations, uh, gospel, music, versus whatever kind. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi that was started with a hapless group of new Christians, Lydia, uh, a jailer, a slave girl. And when he wrote to them, he said, this is chapter three of Philippians. We are the true circumcision who do not put any confidence in the flesh, but we glory, we boast in Christ Jesus and worship in the spirit of God. So worship is necessarily a boasting in Christ. So in a church's expression, not only in song, but also in song, it needs to be a, an unapologetic, relentless boasting in Christ. The more we'll look at him and the more we'll extol and honor and exult in him, we can be certain that the Holy Spirit would love to bless and empower that effort. So that's just one of the means, uh, certainly preaching, praying, fellowship evangelism missions. uh, There are many means, but Christ has to be both the fuel and the goal for it to be actually satisfying. And God glorifying.
1: As you as you speak of that, you know you're, you're a leader in a church. I, I have been for uh, most of my life as well, and and so you're, you you want to be intentional about this. And so so what you're talking about here with preaching, you know, j- <clears throat> just even the language you brought to our last time together, of uh, you know the corporateness of all, all these things, you know, <clears throat> just even us <clears throat> as pastors, teachers. You know, c- coming to the pulpit aware that we're not just trying to enhance the individual person's life, but we're trying to call them to build life together. That that alone, I think, would be, you know, as you have preached the word to to me and our audience today, today, I think that we're all going to get that a little bit more. And then as you talk about worship, I I love that because it's, you know, the the last thing I want to do when I come to church is, is sing about me. You know, I, I, I think about me plenty all week long. Uh, you know, so I don't want to talk about, um, you know, what I do. I, I I used to tease about like I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and there was this series of songs they would sing. Uh, one was called "With My Hands Lifted Up," uh, and then the there was "I Lift My Hands." up. And it was like I was probably like 18 years old. I'm going like, why are we singing about my hands all Sunday? You know, it's just it's not really all that fun. Uh, but. You know, when you talk about worship, whether it's folk music or gospel music or more of a rock sound, if if there's the exaltation of Christ uh, drawing us together, but maybe even also, uh, you know, the like. And I don't want to get too practical here, but you know, s- sort of the singing of the creeds. The the, the the there's several worship teams that have put the creeds to to song, yeah. And and we're singing we're singing together. You know, this I believe. Uh, You know, there's something very warm about that. You know, just uh, just looking around and we're all confessing together at the same time through song. You know, this is what we believe. And and then if you add on that the the fuel and the fire of a pastor or teachers, elders of the church, getting up there and saying, you know, this is what we believe, and the and the church saying saying amen uh, to those things. It's a be a be a good thing. Be be a good thing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, um, where, 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 where's your mind going? Do you have other, does this stir you to?
0: Yeah. So if, if we think about, if we think about the Christian life, there's definitely a very personal aspect to that. In fact, if you don't have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't be a Christian. So there's a very personal aspect to Christianity. Nobody is, should deny that or disregard that. But while Christianity is very personal, it is not private. It is not private. And we're saved, as I mentioned, into a people. And this congregational aspect of belonging to the body of Christ, that's the way God speaks about Christians. We should belong to an an identified cluster of Christians who together make a covenant in some way or another to say, we will be accountable to each other for the proclamation of the gospel, the worship of Christ and the care of our souls. And so in that cluster of people, not private, um, very interpersonal, God loves to bless provided our eyes and hearts are fixed on Christ. So yes, think about throughout the, throughout the new Testament pattern, when God saved sinners, I'll, I'll use one example, the apostle Peter, and he was being told by the magistrates of the day to stop proclaiming Jesus and don't, uh, don't talk about him anymore. Well, his response to that with John the apostle was, whether it's right in your sight or not, you be the judge. But Acts chapter 4, verse 20, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Well, there's something very powerful about that. Peter had seen the risen Jesus and he had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And what was the consequence? He talked about J E S U S. He talked about Jesus. Well, that's also true of churches. Think about the church at Thessalonica, you know, one little congregation, Paul spent one month with them according to act 17 and a church started and Paul wrote to them and said, chapter one, the gospel has sounded forth from you in Achaia and to the far reaches of the world so that we don't even have to say anything. Like everybody knows you turn from idols to the living God and you have been boldly proclaiming the gospel. Well, the you in that passage is not one person like Peter. It's a whole church. And the same thing happens in many of the New Testament letters, but... I'll just pause there to say, yes, our preaching should be about Christ. Our worship should be focused on Christ, but also our witness should be exalting Christ. He is our message. He's the sum total of saving knowledge. David Dixon, one of the old writers would say. So exalting Christ is part and parcel to the Christian life, but it's also the happy life in a congregation of Christians who together as a church, Are enjoying his preeminence in every aspect in our preaching, in our praying, in our fellowship, in our teaching, in our evangelism, in our witness missions, everything is about Christ and his glory. And that's what I believe all the New Testament letters reveal is actually the point of what we're supposed to be doing um, on this side of eternity.
1: Thrilling. It's thrilling. It really is. It's just uh, just so so cool to hear what you're you're talking about. The the, my, my mind's going in like five different directions all at the same time. I'm just getting kind of, kind of thrilled here about all this different uh, content. The, the regulate, regulating is that the right word? Like putting aside into a group, of of community, and a lot of our quarters seems to be, like you know, you'll see like the different things the church does. Like we preach, we worship, we evangelize, and we have small groups, and so community or this oneness that you're talking about, the yallness of the gospel is, is almost regulated to, um, you know, small groups. We have, we have small groups too. So we do that stuff that you're talking about in that. Mm -hmm. What, What I think you're teaching us today is that it's, it's a whole lot more than what you do in your small group that can be part of it, but it's your whole Christian life. Am I correct to say that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of small groups. One met at my house last night. There were seven brothers here walking through Psalm 37 and 38. That's what we're doing. We're walking through the book of Psalms in our small group. It was so edifying and encouraging. So I'm a big advocate for small groups in a church. One thing I've noticed is that Christians in the New Testament were not identified with an auxiliary ministry of a local church. So like, uh, how do I say this positively? They were identified with a congregation. You can see that Epaphras was at Colossae, or Paul was the pastor of Ephesus. Timothy was a pastor of Ephesus. John was the pastor at Ephesus. You can see people's names uh, that were connected to various local churches. So they weren't connected, first and foremost, to an auxiliary ministry. So something I actually fell under conviction about a number of years ago was how many people said, oh, I belong to Grace Church, or I'm a member of Grace Church but we had never seen them on a Sunday and in no sense were they a covenant member of our church, but they were going to our small groups. So they would call themselves somehow or another part of our church. And so we actually began to say, wait a minute, we might be unintentionally hamstringing their Christian life to help them think they're part of something that they're actually not part of. (laughs) So uh, I'm all for small groups. I'm just not for small groups. In lieu of being a covenant member of a congregation. That's the number one tonic that God believes our souls need for growth in Christ. Now, if you add to that small groups or some kind of class, praise God if that helps you. But if you have all those things and you're not a member accountable to a whole congregation that know you and you know them and you're seeking to help one another, growing grace, uh, you know, the young and the old, the rich and the poor, the togetherness of the body of Christ, then you don't have the shape of biblical Christianity. We need a church to grow up into Christ, which is what Ephesians 4 is all about. And the book of Colossians says every joint and ligament that's individual Christians are part of a body that causes the building up of itself in love. We each supply something. So we have to be connected to that body. And it's actually in Colossians and Ephesians called Christ's body that we're to be integrally connected to. And then, yeah, small groups are a wonderful blessing, but in lieu of a local church, they can actually be a subtle diversion from what you really need. And,
1: yeah, I, I believe if, if, and not either Yeah, or. yeah, both end. If you see it as a, a part of this desired experience of you know b- being one together, you know, treasuring Christ together, then that's that's one of the means of it. But it's not. Uh, but what I was what I was saying, suggesting that that you're communicating very well, is that it goes beyond that. That that's one good element of it. But uh, but but it's not like that's where I get all my. Oneness with the body, and then I go to church to hear sermons or sing, or then I go to evangelism to do my mission work. Uh, the, the the fullness of all this is is you know part part of all that Christ has for us together. I uh, my mind goes towards um, you know when John Piper speaks about Christian hedonism, uh, you know that that there is there is something that God put within us that, that you know there there there's a joy of getting something out of what God is putting into us. So, in lieu of that, my question for you is: Who we'll kind of it sounds selfish, but it's in the in the in the best means possible. What do we get out of this if, if, uh, if we live the way you're talking? Um, what is it, What 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 are the benefits of it? I guess is what I'm asking.
0: Oh, I love that question, brother. Uh, they are th- they are better than I can articulate, but I'm going to give it a try. If we should not want blessing and benefit if we should not want God's favor to be deeply enjoyed in our life then God would have said the opposite of what the scriptures say so many times God says it's more remember the words of the Lord Jesus that's what Paul told the Ephesian church elders remember the words of the Lord Jesus it is more blessed to give than receive if you should not want a blessing from giving and sacrificial service, and love, and pastoral care, and whatever else the elders of the church in Ephesus did, if you should not want a blessing, Paul should have said, forget the words of the Lord Jesus. (laughs) He actually said, remember, remember, God wants to bless you. And this is to me the secret sauce of Christianity, but it's an open secret. If you want to grow in your faith, give yourself away. Put that another way. If you really want to grow in Christ, seek to make another Christian happy in jesus help them fix their eyes on jesus because you can't outgive god he will radically bless you in greater proportion than you seek to try to be a blessing to other people but if you're just a sponge and not a pipeline you'll sour but if god's pouring into you and you're pouring into others inevitably he will fill your tank faster than you can pour out now think if you're surrounded by a congregation of people who are trying to do that for you. And so their growth in grace is elevated and your growth in grace is elevated and you're all helping each other elevate your growth in grace. So whole churches are looking unto Jesus cohorts. That's what we are. We're together fixing our gaze on him. And we've only talked about the the church on earth, the church that's being sanctified, but. Scriptures also talk about the eternal bride of Christ as a church. Hebrews chapter 12 says you have come to the Ecclesia, the church of the firstborn. And then the book of Revelation talks about places like Revelation 22 talks about they will see his face. So he's going to be the dominating uh, beauty of heaven. Who's the they? Well, it's the glorified bride of Christ, where, where there'll no longer be any curse. The lamb of God will be in it. There will no longer be any night. They will not have need of the light of the lamp or light of the sun of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them and they will reign forever and ever. He will be all the glory of Emmanuel's land. As the hymn puts it, he's the great attraction of heaven. And together in glory, we will absolutely enjoy helping others elevate their delight in him. So if that's where we're headed, uh, the, old Puritan, the Puritans would call heaven a world of love. Can you imagine a place where every single person loves their neighbor with Christ's love or loves their neighbor as themselves? Can you imagine a place where every single person loves the Lord as God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength? Heaven's going to be like that. And the fruit of it will be trying to catapult each other's souls more and more into the enjoyment of God in Christ by the spirit. That's what I believe local churches should be exercising now. I believe, let me say it better. I believe that's what the Bible teaches that local churches should be exercising now, trying to catapult each other's joy greater and greater in Christ. And if you do that, uh, back to your question about what do we get out of it, God guarantees he will elevate your joy. Paul even said to the church at Philippi, make my joy complete. Well, how can I help the apostle Paul get more joy? He said, by all of you being more like Christ, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. So that's how we complete one another's joy. Others becoming more like Christ. So I will be a lot happier if the members of my church become more like Jesus. And as far as I'm aware, there's one verse in the Bible that tells us how. 2 Corinthians three eighteen. behold the glory of Christ. So I'll get happier if they'll look at Jesus. And they will get happier if I will look at Jesus. So we should help each other fix our eyes on Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's what local churches are all about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing a, um, a kind of somewhat of an organized study around this. You're calling it treasuring, um, treasuring Christ uh, Together. Is that the t- title of it? And, and it's, that was the original
0: title. Okay. I think it's been re- reworked three or four times. I think the final published title is going to be Christ Our Treasure. Christ Our That's Treasure, the, okay. the subtitle is going to be Enjoying the Preeminence of Jesus with His Blood-Bought Bride. Mm. Um, yeah, and like you said earlier, each one of those words has some kind of really deep meaning. Yeah. But Christ Our Treasure, Lord willing, it'll be out sometime later this year, maybe in the fall. Okay. And i will have some video and uh, written study that goes along with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you did a—, a, a... You did a couple episodes with uh, Media Gradia Gratia, am I saying that? Media Gratia? Mm-hmm. Uh, you did a couple episodes with yes. them on on Hebrews, looking under Jesus. Highly recommend that. That was a great yeah. series. That's how I first got, uh, became aware of you and your ministry and wanted to get you on our podcast. Uh, so I'll be looking you, forward brother. to, and I hope our, uh, hope our listeners as well will be uh, watching for that. Uh, it'll be, uh, will it come through the, um, so I, if they wanted to you know, keep their eye open for it, where would they keep their eye open at?
0: <laughs> that's a great question. I think uh would be the website. And they have social medias and all those things. But uh, to be quite honest, if anybody finds it, please let me know, because I actually have no idea how to find it my own self.
1: OK. All right. Well, yeah, that's I know that that uh, podcast you're talking about is, you know, you can. Uh, just check that out on YouTube. I know that they're on YouTube and probably, uh, the, you know, the Apple Store podcast store as as well. Um, yeah. Well, thank you, thank you so much, Jordan, Pastor Jordan. It's a it's a blessing to have you with us, and these last two two uh, episodes of have uh, really, I think, have really stirred us uh, in, in an incredible, incredible way, and in helping us think about the unity, uh, Ephesians passage you're talking about earlier is. Uh, It's a wonderful thing. So I'm grateful to have you on and uh, look forward to having some more time with you. We won't um, wait so long next time to have you back with us, all right?
0: Thank you so much, brother. It's really been a joy. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in the mission of World Challenge. Thank you for listening and supporting World Challenge,